Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Uh, all right, RJ, there's lots of stuff to talk about. We finally timed one of these deep dives right for once. Uh, we get we get to, to, to talk about a lot of news involving uh, the newest member of the Kraken, uh, lots of Shane Wright stuff to discuss uh, based on some World Junior news today for Team Canada in specific. We even got Mario Kart news to talk about. Who would have thunk that as well as some game recaps? Lots of stuff. But before we dive into all of that, RJ, gotta let everybody know a couple things. One, Thank you, everybody, for all the support that you've given us. We actually reached 6,000 Twitter followers. Was it yesterday or the last, sometime in the last couple of days? We hit 6,000 Twitter followers. And to celebrate, we're going to be giving away a couple, three, in fact, of our Maddie for Calder t-shirts. So go check out, check us out on Twitter. Um, that's where all the rules and everything for the contests are. Uh, I know this is coming out late on Monday. Contest closes tomorrow at noon. Uh, but if you want a chance to win one of those sweet uh, Maddie for Calder t-shirts, go check us out on Twitter at Emerald City HKY. And thanks again, everybody, for all of the support that you've given us over there. And then also, RJ, as everybody knows, this, or I'll just speak to everybody. Uh, as you all know, this podcast is sponsored and brought to you by Queen Anne Beer Hall. Uh, been really, really great uh, helping us out this season, sponsoring us, um, letting us do you know even more. And, and part of that was we wanted to also you know potentially start doing live events with them. And we're, we're finally going to be able to start doing that. Uh, we have our first two live events to announce. We, we talked about it a little bit last night on the postgame. Going to announce it here, though, for the first time on the deep dive. They're going to be in January. January 14th will be our first live event. It's going to be a watch party as well as a postgame live uh, at Queen Anne Beer Hall uh, for the January 14th game against Chicago. That game starts at 5. Would recommend maybe getting there a little bit sooner. But it's an away game. We're all going to hang out, watch the game together uh, in person at Queen and beer hall i'm super pumped to be there for that i have never been there i want to go there so bad i've heard nothing but all of you talk about how awesome it is i really want to do that really want to be able to see everybody up there as well and and all of us really watch hockey together and watch party for the first time like i'm, I'm really excited about that and then also our first like actual live post game like that's also i know be really fun yeah, it's it's going to be a super fun event. Um, on the watch party side, we did kind of a a quick one that was thrown together for that mm -hmm. the opener against the Ducks. Super fun hanging out with everyone on that one. Uh, but I'm going to be so thrilled to have you there as well. And just explaining the live post game. I mean, it's it's going to be kind of like the same format of the post game live that that you all know and love. Um, it, but we're going to be up there on stage at Queen Anne Beer Hall doing the whole Q and A thing. Um, I don't we're, we're going to see what we can do about streaming something as well. Can't guarantee any kind of audio quality, but it's going to be kind of in lieu of our of our normal post game live show. Just want to be clear on that one. Yeah, exactly. And then so that's that's January 14th for that Chicago game. It'll be a watch party and post game. And then on the following that's a Saturday on the following Monday, January 16th, 2023 uh, for the home game against Tampa, because that's going to be a home game. We're actually we're going to be doing another live post game show from Queen Anne Beer Hall after that game. RJ and I will be at the game covering the game. Um, the game starts at one, so can't guarantee when post game will start. It will start sometime 
shortly after the end of the game. Uh, but January 16th, the game against Tampa, I, you know, recommend everybody shows up, have a watch party amongst yourselves. We can still call it, I think, an ECH watch party at that point. Uh, everybody can, can check out the game from, from Queen Anne Beer Hall, and then we'll head over uh, at the end to do the live post game. Same thing as the Chicago one. So January 14th, January 16th, mark your calendars. Start making your travel plans if you need to. Uh, planning all this out. I'm really excited to be able to see everybody uh, live in person and really, really pumped to, to finally be able to go to Queen Anne Beer Hall. I've been really looking forward to it. Should be good. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing everyone there. All right. And one more thank you to Queen Anne Beer Hall for sponsoring this podcast. Now, with all that out of the way, RJ, we only have, you know, the 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 little uh the little bit here of, you know, like seven news and notes it feels like from today. Uh lots of movement going on with the Seattle Kraken, but I think we should probably start off talking about the newest member of the Seattle Kraken, RJ, Ellie Tolvanen. Yes, so this was a bit of a surprise, at least to me. Um, so Ellie Tolvanen of the Nashville Predators, former first-round pick in 2017 uh, of the Preds, the, the Nashville put him on waivers yesterday morning, and there was a lot of talk around him because he figured, well, he's probably going to get claimed. He's one of those guys where you just can't imagine he gets through the entire waiver order. Of course, being a former first-round pick, having some of that that offensive potential that comes with that draft pedigree, uh, you figured some team was going to take a shot on him, and that team turned out to be the Seattle Kraken. Actually, the Kraken uh, claimed him off of waivers. They were the highest priority team with the claim, so they claimed him. And uh, as a corresponding move, they also put Carson Kuhlman on waivers, uh, so they had to do that as well. Yeah, so I, I figured we'd talk about the, the Kuhlman portion of it in just a second here. Um, just to kind of introduce everybody to Atli Tolvanen. Uh, he is a, uh, let's see here. Yeah, as you said, former first-round pick of the Nashville Predators. Picked him 30th overall back in the 2017 draft. That's back when there were still only 30 teams. Oh, no, the, the Golden Knights were in that year, right? That was their first year? I believe so. I yeah, think they had a something pick. like that. Yeah, because uh, that was the year Nashville played the Penguins at the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, 30th would have been second to last pick of the first round. Uh, first round pick from Finland. Um, had been playing over in the USHL, though, with the Sioux City Musketeers. Um, had represented uh, Finland at the U-20s the previous season, World Juniors. Uh, played well there, was a point-per-game player, was a point-per-game player with Sioux City. Um, after that, had a, had a small little three-game stint with Nashville that first year as an 18-year-old, but mostly played with Jokrit uh, in the KHL, um, Helsinki Jokrit. Uh, again, represented them at World Juniors, played well there, represented them at the Olympics, played well there. Um, really, really looked like this, you know, burgeoning offensive prospect uh, for the Nashville Predators. But then comes over, mostly plays with Milwaukee, doesn't quite have the same level of production. Following season plays with Milwaukee again, again, not a ton of production, gets loaned back to Pack to Yokrit, splits the season with Nashville, not a ton of production. And then finally, we kind of get to, to this year after a couple seasons in Nashville, and he had been a scratch for their last seven games, the Predators' last seven games. And it just feels like the, you know, it just never seemed to really work out with him and the Predators. Yeah, no, I think it had kind of hit the end of the line. And and sometimes a player like that, you know, they, they can use a change of scenery. Uh, and I think it just it got to that moment for, for Tolvanen and the Preds. Yeah. And so one of the things that had always been talked about around Tolvanen um, 
in the media around Nashville and everything was just that, you know, Nashville has always kind of had a style of hockey that they prefer to play, right? Smashville, they like the idea of playing a two-way game, uh, having aggressive forwards that are going to go in there hard on the forecheck, that are going to backcheck and try to play a two-way game. And there was always talk that that was part of the reason for, for it not really working out with him. However, lots of people who have watched him have noted these last couple of years, he has really worked on his defense. He has really worked on trying to incorporate those elements into his game to make the fit with the Predators work. And uh, I guess they just decided for whatever reason that, that they just, it was time to move on for them. Um, but I mean, does that sound a little familiar, RJ? Former, former I, I... high pick gets, gets dropped by a team. Uh, somebody who, you know, Hey, you need to work on your defense. If you want to hang around in the NHL person starts working on their defense, maybe I don't know. It sounds a little, familiar. someone with an exceptional shot. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, for, for both of us right away, the name Daniel Sprong, uh, came into our heads when, when we started thinking about Ailey Tolvanen. Yeah, of course. It was it was really hard not to. And obviously, Daniel Sprong has, has been a revelation with the Seattle Kraken, bucking the trend of these high, high picks who have then found themselves on waivers, not really being able to find a second life or a third life um, out there in the NHL. Um, and so, you know, I... I because of the Daniel Sprong pig, because of how he worked out, because of the amazing culture around the Seattle Kraken, I really want to want to think that, you know, Tolvanen can find a place here with the Seattle Kraken and, and he can maybe refine his form. What do you think, RJ? I, I think it's certainly possible. And I, I mean, I'll just go into what I think. I do like this move for the Kraken. I mean, you look at, you know, the roster construction aspect of it. I think it's a low risk, high reward move. Mm-hmm. The cap hit, you know, it is kind of double the league minimum, but I think it's manageable. And I think really the key will be if they can unlock that exceptional shot and kind of get that sprung like result out of Tolvanen, because uh, that's what really separates him from other players. And also, I like that it's only his second team. It's not like he's really bounced around the league a lot. I think he could benefit maybe more from a change of scenery than someone who's on a third or fourth team. And I think more than just the player himself, too, I like this pickup kind of in the greater context of what the Kraken are doing with their bottom six, and in particular, their fourth line. I think they've uh, approached their depth in a way that I, I think more NHL teams should do. And instead of bringing in a bunch of you know bruisers, bigger guys who may win in the hits category, but spending less of their you know time on, on the other side of the ice, I think the Kraken have built their forward depth around guys like Ryan Donato, Daniel Sprong, And these guys, well, look, they don't belong in a top six role. The league has kind of established that. They have an ability to be this offensive threat at any given time. And I think the league kind of doesn't really know what to do with those players in general. Like Donato and Sprong, I think, are perfect examples because teams have said, look, we can't give them a top six role, but can their skill set work in the bottom six? I I don't know. And so they were kind of cast-offs from these teams. And I think by embracing those types of players, the Kraken have hit on this market inefficiency and they've been reaping the rewards this season. I think Tolvanen could easily fall into that category. I'm not saying that that he will for sure be a success story like that, but it does seem to fit in with the strategy that has been successful for the Kraken. Yeah, I, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And, and that's where I, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic uh, about this just because of how well the Ryan Donato move has worked out for the Seattle Kraken, how well the Daniel Sprong move has worked out for the Seattle Kraken. In some ways, this is also a similar situation with like Morgan Geeky, 
right? Like a guy who's just never right quite able to crack into that um, Carolina Hurricanes lineup that all that frequently and stuff, and and being able to find that spot. And we've been talking about him so much on all these last these last few post games because of his return and what he means to the penalty kill, what he means to the fourth line, and and the fourth line being able to do what it is that they want to be doing, and. Um, yeah, so I think it's a big deal. The one thing though is just that like the the Kraken have done an exceptional job at this and I and I think that there is something to that and how that they they approach this as a whole organization, how the front office approaches these players, how the coaching staff approaches these players, how they work them into the fold and everything. I do think that there is something there, but these are all very like low hit chance probability situations <laughs> and so it's it's one of those where each time i'm going to be a little skeptical just because we traditionally we have not seen these moves usually pay off for the team involved that being said kraken are, are doing a fantastic job of it and so i feel like they've kind of um they've earned you know the uh, uh, everybody going along with it and, and believing in it because that's just what they've managed to do so far history would have told us that both donato and sprong would have been gone by now and instead they're here they're playing every day and they're contributing to the team in big big moments and big ways for them so um for all those reasons i i can i i'm on board and i'm i'm excited to see what the next couple of weeks have in store for us as we as we celebrate uh tolvanen's coming in yeah absolutely all right, so we did, uh, as you mentioned, if someone's coming in, someone has to be leaving. That's just the way rosters work with the limits. Uh, Carson Kuhlman uh, was the person that the Seattle Kraken put on waivers to make this move happen. Um, I I can understand why, uh, just based on the last couple games that he had been playing with the Seattle Kraken. He he was always kind of the, the, the healthy scratch forward for the team. Uh, these last several weeks, and then even when he was in games, I just didn't feel like he was kind of fitting in the way that he did last year. Being separated from Yanni Gord, I just felt like he was having a hard time finding his place uh, in everything. So I wasn't totally surprised to see uh, him be the person kind of shipped out. I don't know about you. No, I wasn't too surprised. And, and you could tell kind of by who who the scratches were. And it's tough for Kuhlman because I think – uh, the, the Kraken's different approach to to the fourth line that I just talked about, he was probably the, the ultimate casualty of that. I think, you know, on teams where they have the more traditional fourth liner approach, or even like the Kraken did last season, uh, Kuhlman, I think, would have been a better fit. But, you know, aside from playing on Yanni Gord's wing, which, look, you, you just, you know, on this team, you can't do that every game. Um, there, there just wasn't much of a spot for him. So we'll see if he clears waivers. Um, I would think some other team might might have a use for him in the bottom six. Um, so I, I'm not counting on him clearing, but, um, you know, best of luck, you know, whatever happens to Carson Kuhlman. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, want to wish him well. And I, I got to think that somebody's gonna, gonna want to pick him up. I mean, he is, he is too talented and he is too much of, you know, of one of those kind of energy guys that you do want to have in your bottom six, helping push play forward, helping keep that pace of play elevated, um, against opposing teams top lines at times or, or certainly uh, in potential mismatches against uh, opposing teams bottom sixes so uh, I think Carson Kuhlman definitely has value and someone's probably going to pick him up and then the other roster move that the Seattle Kraken made today uh, so unfortunately you know in this past week RJ and we'll talk more about it when we get to the game recap seg- section Jamie Alexiak is currently in the middle of serving a three-game suspension. That meant Kale Fleury was elevated into the lineup. And then last night, we saw Justin Schultz get injured on a boarding um, play 
and we don't know the team has not updated us on his status yet however today they did make a move that's not um not encouraging right um it would seem to indicate that schultz might miss some time because the kraken called up gustav olafsson from the coachella valley firebirds uh having another defenseman up there on the roster and if schultz were to miss some time uh then they would need another defenseman and that's kind of what the olafsson call up is for hopefully schultz is all right and he's able to to come back quickly it was a, a nasty hit that he took um we're still kind of you know waiting to hear on on the results of that but the olafsson call up um you know gives the kraken another defenseman they can use um i heard some talk about you know oh, well, who was going to be the call actually i think we got that question on the last mm -hmm post game uh on the last post game live who's going to be the call up i think we both agreed that olafson was going to be the guy over maybe a Riker evans i think the kraken just want to leave evans in the ahl for a little bit more time get him more reps there i still think that's ultimately what's best for his development and i thought olafson did fine in his earlier call yeah, up yeah. this season too so i think he can be serviceable there yeah i agree i think it, it just makes sense based on where everybody's at um i i still think if you when when you bring in uh, a Riker Evans you want to bring him in in a situation that you can really utilize him and it's going to be best for his development I, I understand also the arguments and the, these are the arguments I usually make in these situations of wanting just to get him in the building get him exposed to the pro-life get him comfortable with the team with the building with the staff getting him used to the lifestyle of being an NHL player how travel works all that important stuff but I do feel like he is learning a lot of that being in the AHL as well as just developing his actual game. Uh, and it's probably best not to rock the boat at this point in the season. If a similar situation was to arise in, let's say, February or March, as you're starting to look towards the later parts of the season, that's where I think you start calling up a Riker Evans and you start getting him some NHL reps, start getting him used to the speed and pace and physicality of the NHL game. I think that's what's best for his development. But for the most part, with these younger prospects, I feel like it's better to, to let them be late season additions, let them be that little extra spark, that little bit of youth, as everybody has you know been grinding through 65 games of regular season hockey and, and everybody's a little worn down. It can be nice to kind of have that injection of youth and excitement uh, as somebody comes in to make their NHL debut. But for now, I think uh, Gustav Olsson definitely fills what the Kraken need to do. And even if, even if Schultz is... Um, going to be able to play here these next couple days. Uh, it doesn't hurt just to have a defenseman around while Alexiak is on that suspension, just so you do have somebody. So I'm actually, I was actually a little surprised they didn't do that beforehand anyway, to be honest. Right. I, I thought that could potentially be coming. Of course, you know, we didn't know they had other waiver stuff in the works yeah. and uh, you know, whether or not that was going to happen, but uh, they get the call up now and hopefully they don't need to call up anyone else. Yes. Hopefully. All right, so the, the last bit of news as it relates to kind of like roster transactions for the Seattle Kraken here these la this last week was uh, Shane Wright. We'll talk about the game against Montreal that he played this past week. But right after that game, he was loaned out to uh, the Canadian Team Canada for the World Juniors, uh, the Canadian team there. And uh, we have since found out today Team Canada finalized their roster. And wow, what a surprise. Shane Wright's going to be on that roster. Uh, centering, oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe it. I can't, I can't either. It's just absolutely blowing me away. Um, so Shane Wright's going to be there. Um, totally expected this. Tournament starts, I believe, on the 26th. Uh, looks like their, yeah, their first game is on Boxing Day at 6.30 p.m., uh, 
looks like here on TSN. Good for them. Uh, that's where I'm looking at the <laughs> finalized roster here. Uh, so this was all expected. Uh, we, you know, Ron Francis has been hinting at this for a while. You and I have been talking about this for a while. Uh, it just seemed like the natural next place for Shane Wright as we still wait to kind of get to that, you know, nine game limit on the contract before the Kraken really have to decide whether or not they're setting it back down to junior or not. Um, this, this is what makes sense for, for him and for them. He should start. Has he already started playing? I'm going to look this up. Have they already started playing um, some, some like tournament exhibition games? I don't think they have yet. I think that's going to start here shortly for team Canada, some warm up. I know they just announced the, the lineup for their first one. Um, and it was before uh, the final cuts had been made. And so Shane Wright didn't play because Presumably he was a lock to make the team. Yeah, I, I would assume that that's what that situation was. So we should see him get in a, a warm-up game or two uh, with everybody. But what I want to talk about is where we think he's going to factor in on, on this Team Canada because I'm looking at this, and obviously it's Team Canada. They have a lot of fantastic players. Lots of other uh, top prospects abound in this lineup. However, the one thing I would say is I do feel like this roster is maybe a little weak down the middle. And when I look at everybody, I, I don't see how Shane Wright isn't 1C for this Team Canada group. Yeah, agreed completely. And that's kind of where they've been putting him as far as the line rushes uh, from the early days of camp that have been reported. He's He's been lined up as the 1C, uh, funny enough, with uh, Connor Bedard, possible first overall pick uh, this coming year, on his wing. So it, it would be a very exciting uh, line the, those two and then um how, who was the third one it was uh, Shane Wright's friend um remind me who that was uh I don't know last name started with an O last name started with an O um it, was it Brendan Offman um I think that might have been it I, I I feel bad not knowing this Zach Ostapetchuk <laughs> one of it was one of those two it was one of those all right it wasn't it wasn't Owen Peck it was cut no, it was not. <laughs> okay. Um, I was going to say, so when I was looking at this roster and I was trying to think of who I would want to play with Shane Wright and everything, Brennan Offman is a fantastic uh, winger. Think think like power classic power forward. That's Brennan Offman. That's generally what he does for Team Canada at all of these tournaments. He played on wing with Shane Wright back at the U18 several years ago. Um, I remember that from when I was scouting uh, Shane Wright leading in all of this stuff. He was he was out there for a lot of those Shane Wright hot highlights, helping provide yeah. him, give him space as he was laying out hits that you normally don't see at international tournaments. Uh, just the kind of guy he is. So I was going to say, Brendan Othman makes a lot of sense to have out there, especially if you are going to put Connor Bedard on that top line, just because it is someone to help, you know, make make space in the offensive zone for them somebody who can go in and dig the puck out of the corners for them uh get, get them into more prime scoring areas because that's that's where you want somebody like a Connor Bedard or a Shane Wright is you want them freed up to to be special offensively because that's that's what makes them so great and why you want them there in the first place um yeah uh, otherwise first line should be a lock got to think looking at the other center depth here Zach Dean is a really good center. I really like him a lot. Plays with Gatineau in the QMJHL Vegas draft pick. Uh, but he's also kind of got more of that like energy, like bottom six energy type attitude towards him at times. That's how I've always felt about him. Logan Stankoven, who I absolutely love. We saw what he could do at the World Juniors this past August on Team Canada. But again, not really like 1C stuff there when you when you look at him. Um, 
him pl- Shane Wright playing with Connor Bedard, do you think that they can develop the same rapport as Mason McTavish had with Connor Bedard? Because that was probably the most like special partner dynamic I'd ever seen at a World Junior tournament. Yeah, it was incredible. It was really something to see. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know how anyone could really match that exactly, but I, I do think they could have some good chemistry together, just given their play styles. Uh, and especially if you have Othman on the other wing, we know the chemistry is there with Shane Wright already. I, I think Connor Bedard could fit in very well with that group. And, and when I saw that line uh, as something they were going with in the early practices, it just made too much sense to me. Yeah, that and where does Connor Bedard like to play? He likes to come down the slot and then drift to the left side of the goaltender. Well, to the right side of the goaltender, to the left if you're looking at up at the yeah. goaltender, right? So Connor Bedard likes to go to the left. As we all know, Shane Wright likes to slide over to the right. It, there you go. That's it. That's all you need to know. They're going to be perfectly matched. They can feed the puck back and forth there to each other. I really like that aspect. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Um I just think it's going to be so much fun to watch Shane Wright at, at this tournament because for those of you who don't know, World Juniors is always a special tournament to watch. It's always really, really fun uh, to be able to see all the top draft eligible prospects, all the top already drafted prospects for all these teams. And boy, I'm telling you, like you think like Olympic hockey gets like big rivalries and everybody's pushing and trying to do all this stuff. World Juniors can sometimes just be even more next level than that. Just the the way these players play their hearts out. And I think that was perfectly exemplified in uh, that gold medal game this past World Juniors. If anybody watched that game, that game was abs- that was one of the most intense hockey games I've ever seen. It was absolutely fantastic. And it's a good representation of, of how these World Junior tournaments often end up going. Yeah, legendary finish. And um, when when it comes to World Juniors, I, I'm try- if I think of like the the ten best hockey games I've ever seen or something like that, there's got to be at least a couple World Juniors games in there. Uh, it just gets so intense, so crazy. So definitely watch it if you have the chance. And I'm I'm so excited to watch it this year. Yeah, and then we'll of course break down Shane Wright's performance as it goes along. Uh, uh, really excited for that. Lots of other uh, Seattle-based hockey names in here too, by the way. Just, just for everybody. Oh yeah, you tons go, of Seattle connections. Yeah, you can go check out the, the finalized Team Canada roster. I'd assume the other rosters are going to be finalized here shortly as well. We can see where all the uh, all the Thunderbirds and Silvertips and everybody all ends up on all of these rosters. Really looking forward to that. Um, let's stick with the Shane Wright thing, though, RJ. Because Shane Wright also had a big moment with the Kraken. And this is a Kraken podcast, <laughs> after all. We should probably talk about that. Um, Shane Wright, there's no, I'm not going to, you know, bury the lead or anything. Shane Wright gets his first NHL goal this past week playing against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, perfect timing. Like it was just one of those storybook moments. Everybody wanted it to happen. You could just tell everybody was doing their best to try to wish it. So, and sure enough, we, we, we all made it happen. Yeah. You couldn't write that moment any better. And, um, and then he did it. And in the first period too, uh, he had an amazing first period against Montreal. He had a really good scoring chance that Jake Allen just robbed him on earlier too. Uh, I think the camera cut to the bench and you could see him mouthing a word that we'll just say it called darn. Um, yes. And uh, didn't let that get him down. Comes back. Uh, I, it might've been the next shift. Um, and it just another dominant offensive zone shift, making himself available in the slot. And that's something he did super well in that game. Uh, and then they find him right in front. Um, was it Yanni Gordy who found him? 
Yes, the pass? I, I believe the, so. Oh, it was Bjorkstrand, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand, yep, f- finds him with that pass uh, right in the slot, and he beats Jake Allen with the shot, and uh, great celebration to there. Yanni Gord immediately goes to retrieve the puck, uh, and it was just a fantastic moment. Yeah, this was, I'm just going to like read my my tweets from, from that night, because I felt like, you know, that's probably the best summarization I can have. But this was the Shane Wright that we saw with the Firebirds in those five games, and, and um, with Kingston back back in those days as well um he looked confident he was driving the net he was splitting the defense he was posting up in his favorite spot that's that's exactly where he scored that goal right there on the right side just as i was talking about where we can expect him at the world juniors and the bottom line was he was shooting without hesitation he looked confident in his shot he looked confident in his abilities and I just think that that stint with the Firebirds did so much to prepare him for that moment. And that game specifically against Montreal, the team that passed up on him uh, with the first overall pick in this last draft, the team that you know he wanted to beat more than anything and to, to be able to show up and and have a good performance. And really that entire first period, I mean, you, you mentioned the other other uh, shot that Jake Allen kind of robbed from him. He really had three fantastic chances in that first period, like, when that first period was over, all anybody could talk about was, wow, Shane Wright could have had a hat trick. And even over on the Montreal broadcast, because I left to listen to their intermission report, and then I listened to the Montreal broadcast for the second period, they just couldn't say enough good things about him. Like, they, there was no, like, you know, oh, you know, you know, yeah, he's doing this, but look at Slavkovsky over here kind of thing. It was just <laughs> like, wow, Shane Wright is playing fantastic. Why haven't Seattle been playing him more? <laughs> And I kind of tried to temper my thinking going into the game, too, because, like, look, I knew that whole narrative was there and everyone was going to want to talk about it. But I figured, what are the odds he actually scores a goal? And, you know, players aren't yeah. – it's unlikely any player is going to score a goal in a particular game. You know, goal per game players just don't exist in the NHL. And and I figured also, you know, there's, there's a game between two hockey teams here that, you know, needs to be covered. And that's probably going to be a bigger story by the end of the night. But after the first period, I was completely – on board with the Shane Wright story. I think everybody else was, I, he, he forced us all to think about it. Yeah, no, for sure. So what a perfect way um, for, for him to kind of leave, leave off with the Seattle Kraken as he goes off to the world juniors, where again, he should have lots of good opportunities. He should be able to be able to do a lot there to continue to build on that confidence, grow his game, um, just be ready to come back and, and play with the Seattle Kraken, hopefully, uh, for the rest of the season. We'll obviously, you know, wait and figure find out what Ron Francis and the rest of the team want to do at that point. But um, just can't say enough good things about him in that first period. And then Kraken have crackety things go on. They allow a bunch of goals a uh, couple early on in the second period. Another one let uh, later to Ren Pitlick, CPA legend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I can't believe that. <laughs> and uh, once the Kraken found themselves in this kind of hole, they they started playing that fourth line, uh, that Shane Wright line, a little less and less. Um, so we didn't get to see too much of him later on. But the the big story from this game still just has to be that that Shane Wright goal. And the bottom line is, looking at it, you know, a week later, six days after the fact, that's all I remember about this game. I don't remember the L. Like it, it just doesn't seem as big a deal. Yeah, in the greater context of things, I think that's that's really what anyone's going to remember from this game. 
Yeah, that and the Seattle Kraken did a fantastic job suppressing shots. Canadians only finished with 16 on the game, and I think they were like they went into the third period sitting at like eight or something. Yep, yeah, at eight. So it was, it was there, but otherwise it wasn't maybe the best game to talk about for the Seattle Kraken. So we can move on, I think, to the next one. Yep, let's do that. Uh, so. That was to, to kickstart this new road trip for the Seattle Kraken. Went off to Washington to play the Capitals. Uh, again, wasn't the result that we wanted. It, it marked the third loss in a row for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, but the big story from this one was uh, Jamie Alexiak. We talked about it earlier. He's in the middle of a three-game suspension, and that occurred from a hit in this game in which he hit. I'm trying to remember. Which player? Uh, Alexander Alexiev. Yeah. Alexiev. He made. What's up? Alexiev, Alexiak. Yeah. It can be a little confusing. Yep. Uh, where he um, he caught Alexiev up high, made contact with the head. Uh, really, that was like the, the only thing that made contact. Uh, he made contact yep. with uh, of Alexiev. So hit to the head from Jamie Alexiak. Three game suspension. I talked about it on the post game after after that game. I was surprised. I was, I was very much like in the mindset of, you know, past player safety departments from the NHL, which we would have seen like a warning or maybe a one game suspension. And so I didn't really think that, that we were going to be uh, without Jamie Alexiak for a while, even though I acknowledged all along. And I think we, we both do right. Like it's a, it is a textbook suspendable play. It is a hit to the head. Neither of us think Alexiak was doing it maliciously or with intent. It really doesn't look like that when you look at it, but the bottom line is, you know, NHL rules have always been you are always 100% responsible for your body and your stick. That is just the way it is. And so for for him to make contact like that, that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, The the Department of Player Safety, though, decided to suspend him three games, which, you know, it sucks because I miss having Jamie Alexiak out there for the Seattle Kraken. But I was actually surprised in a good way that the, the Department of Player Safety seems to be taking this stuff a little bit more seriously this year. We're starting to see more suspensions. We're starting to see more match penalties uh, in situations, uh, including this one, right? Yeah, I think yes, so. Yes, it was a match yeah, penalty. it was a match penalty, so he had to leave this game. Uh, and I and I do want to just take a moment to talk about that. You know, I am thankful that the Department of Player Safety kind of finally seems to be taking player safety seriously and trying to to, to have punishments that match the, the potential level of injury that things like this could cause. Yeah, and hopefully it's, it's you know, there's a continuation and then the trend yeah. continues. Um, you know, you, you hope it's never a one-off because we've seen that in the past where certain ones like, oh, good, they're finally taken seriously. Yeah. And the next time something like that happens, it, you know. Um, but but I, I would like to be optimistic on that mm-hmm. front. Um, but And I was pleasantly surprised to, to see, um, you know, to see them take it seriously and, and give out that suspension. Um yeah, I think you just about covered it. I don't think it was a, a malicious intent no. there, um, but the result w- was bad. Um, and especially when you hit a guy, I mean, and one of the things that they look at too is, do you get the entire, do you go through the entire body or does it, is it just the head? That's the point of contact. And when you only get the head and you don't go through the whole body in the center center of mass there, uh, then they do take that into account and that is worse. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that they looked at. I haven't seen any update on Alexiev's injury. I don't think he hasn't come back or anything, no. uh, but I don't know what the injury is exactly. And, and of course, the fact that he was injured was also taken into account. Um, let's, let's hope he uh, gets, gets well as soon as possible. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thousand percent there. That that stuff's always scary. Um, yeah, the Department of Player Safety, you know, 
they do release videos in which they explain like how they came to their conclusion. That's always been a mixed bag in the in the past, uh, as you know. RJ. That's an understatement. <laughs> yes, um, they've 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 gone from not making any sense and almost seeming like incoherent with the the start and end result of what they're talking about to just downright entertaining with sometimes the leaps in logic they can sometimes have. But I felt like this one did a very good job of explaining what was going on. And at the end they did summarize and the bottom line was they came to the three game conclusion because the head was the principal point of contact. There wasn't a follow through of the body. The player was injured and Alexiak did have one previous suspension on his history from a couple of years ago. And so all of those factors resulted in the three game suspension. And I, I, that all made sense to me. I was happy with the video's explanation and summarization of their decision. Um, looking elsewhere though, in this capitals game, like I said, four, one loss for the cat for the, Kraken it it marked their third loss in a row it was just a game where I just felt like at times the Kraken weren't really there to play uh this was really the only loss of those three that I felt like was was more so on the Kraken more than anything I felt like they looked a little um behind things in the first period and then they seemed to be petering out a little bit later on uh I don't know but all I know is Philip Grubauer had a fantastic game and he didn't get a ton of support in front of him yeah, I was going to say that's the other big story of this game was how well Philip Grubauer played. He did everything he possibly could to steal this game for the Kraken. Didn't work out. You know, It was close late. It was a one goal game until the empty net yep. goal. So he almost was able to steal him at least a point. Um, but Philip Grubauer deserves a lot of credit for how he played in that game. Um, and those are the kind of performances that make a difference in your position in the standings mm-hmm. uh, because they add up and eventually, you know, over enough reps, you can get extra points out of those that you don't really deserve. But that's what separates, you know, the good teams from the great teams. So uh, Grubauer played fantastic. And really looking at the two games against the Capitals this season, because they they both came within this kind of two week stretch. Yeah. Both of them have just been an absolute grind. Yeah. The Caps are a tough team to play against. Um and when it's a grind like that, I think, you know, sometimes you, you win, sometimes you lose, but it's always a close game. Uh, and I think we just kind of saw that again. Yeah. And, the, you know, credit to the Capitals for becoming this kind of grinded out team, because you look at their roster and there's a lot of names on there that you recognize. Dylan Strom, Lars Eller, Anthony Mantha, Connor Sheary, TJ Oshie, uh, Marcus Johansson. But they're not like guys that totally stand out at least not anymore like in the case of tj oshi as like oh this is this like top dynamic offensive threat you totally got to be aware of but they are all guys that have size they know how to use their size they can just be you know like you said difficult to play against and uh credit to them for kind of you know trying to trying to make something work as their roster is maybe not in a place um where it would otherwise be this you know top playoff contending team uh, they're they're finding ways to to you know grind out wins and and try to make something happen out there in the east eastern conference, uh, so so credit to them for that I guess, um yeah I I just don't think there's really much more to talk about with this one Philip Grubauer 34 saves on 36 shots 944 save percentage he 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 played his heart out in this one that was that was definitely the big takeaway, and then finally last night Seattle Kraken. Go into Florida, Sunrise, Florida, <laughs> RJ. They go into that big asphalt slab out there in the middle of the swamp that they decided to build a hockey arena on top of. And the Kraken pick up a win. They end their three-game losing skid. They get revenge on the Florida Panthers who had beaten them the previous week. 
And uh, this game was just pretty textbook from the Kraken start to finish. Start off with a Matty Beneers goal, minute in, get him back on the board, get that Calder campaign going again. Um, and then you just kind of take care of business from there. Martin Jones looking refreshed and ready to go after having some, you know, get, getting spelled a couple times by Philip Grubauer. Uh, yeah, I just thought the Kraken played a really good game here. Yeah, and it was, I think, one of the most impressive wins of the season for them as far as how complete of a game they played, a full 60 minutes offensively and defensively. It was just one of those textbook, hang it on the wall, piece of art efforts yeah. uh, against a, a talented Florida Panthers team. Um, the Kraken just from the start of the game, uh, you know, put the pressure on, never went away um, and, and had to deal with some adversity as well. You know, losing a defenseman, uh, you know, in the middle of the game and things got a little chippy as well. Uh, didn't let it get them off their game. Uh, they got good goaltending as well mm -hmm. from Martin Jones, a good bounce back game from him. One that I, I think, you know, after a few efforts that weren't necessarily bad, but a lot of goals against him, yeah. let's just say, uh, you know, just one that he could have used. So. Um, I think it was a really good get right game for the Kraken. They, they snapped the losing, uh, this losing skid. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, Maddie Beneers is just, he, got, he was the story of that game. Yeah. So Maddie Beneers finishes the night with a goal and an assist plus two, five shots on goal, all that stuff. But the biggest takeaway will have been him coming to the defense of Justin Schultz immediately after Lomberg, um, boards, Justin Schultz, Justin Schultz on the ground in obvious pain, clearly injured. And without a moment's hesitation, Matty Beneers is right in there trying to take on Lomberg, let him know that, hey, you cannot get away with that against a teammate of mine. And uh, I think I think you won, won some people over to my side with that, RJ, about this whole Matty for captain uh, secondary campaign I've been running behind the scenes for the, for the Calder one. Um, I, I think you, that, that moment won a lot of guys over, and, and you heard it um, in the, uh, the postgame locker room. When when Maddie was awarded the uh, Davy Jones hat, that was what was talked about. Was was his lack of hesitation coming to the defense of a teammate and how important that is. Right, and I'll, I'll even give you the quote from Yanni Gord. Yeah, it goes to Maddie not because he scored, not because he had an apple, but because he stood up for his teammate, and that's the best thing to happen tonight. So I mean that he's earning major respect in that locker room. I feel like we can pretty safely say this. Matty Beneers will be captain the Seattle Kraken at some point. Well, it's a matter of when, not if. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we everybody kind of agreed with that all along. It's just a matter of will he be the next captain or will there be I'm I'm ready to go out on a limb and say that. I think I'm confident that he will be the next captain of the Kraken. All right. Just a matter of when, not if. Yep. All right. There's definitely room out here on this limb with me. <laughs> you can, I can share. Um, yeah, I thought Matty Veneers just looked every bit at uh, a guy. Um, came came close to, to you know, getting getting a Gordie Howe hat trick, too, which would have been really, really fun. And, a, and an interesting side note in all of this as well. Um, but uh, was not credited with the fight against Lomberg. Gloves never came off. So did pick up a bloody nose, though. It's a, it's a yeah, nice he did get bloodied in the exchange. Hockey badge of honor for him there. Um, elsewhere, yeah, we, we talked about Justin Schultz. No no word yet on, on his status. Um, I also felt like this was a nice uh, kind of return to form for Yanni Gord. We mentioned him giving uh, uh, Matty Beneers the, the Davy Jones hat. I thought Yanni Gord played a really solid game in this one as well, picking up a goal and assist of his own. And yeah, just everybody was going. The one thing I will say about this game, though, is RJ, I felt like the power play could have been better. 
one for six on the power play. You had a five-minute major to work with in which you had about 45 seconds of five-on-three to start that off. And you, you pick up one goal on it. But, of course, with a five-minute major, you can score as many in that five as you want. And the Kraken just never totally felt dangerous on it. No, they didn't. I mean, it's it's tough because, you know, you can be a little shaken after a longer stoppage like that. It's, you know, it's always tough to get yourself back together after seeing a teammate injured like that um, and, and to go, OK, we, we got to go play some hockey and try and score some goals. You know, not every team can can pull that off as as well as you know maybe maybe the sharks in that game seven was scoring four uh you know they were really fired up i was gonna say don't give me that you've seen how that can totally be the opposite it can rally a team and they go out there and they're just like destroy somebody because of it yeah well i think the the thing that really you know defines that whole that whole moment is just how rare it is uh for a team to be able to go and do that um it, it doesn't happen all the time uh, but i do think there is some some stuff to be worked on on the power play it's tough over the last couple games i felt like they've had some power plays that have looked really good that didn't mm-hmm. score they've had some really good looks um but but ultimately just haven't been able to convert and at certain points you know, like in the caps game you know a power play goal there yeah. in one of those chances i mean that's the difference between getting a point at least mm-hmm. in that game versus not so uh it's something to keep an eye on i'm not too panicked yet um, but, but it's something to look at. Oh, one thing I do want to mention was it, I think it was that Panthers game. They added a new wrinkle where they had Jordan Everly kind of come up high from the bumper spot, yeah. take a one timer. Donato goes in toward the net. I like just to see them trying new things. I mean, that, that look wasn't, you know, too exceptionally brilliant, but I like to see them trying new wrinkles. I agree. I, I, I am always in favor of that. I'm always in favor of kind of, well, just in general in life, I'm in, I'm in favor of change, just like a philosophy of mine. But I, I do think that that's one of those things that you have to do over the course of a season, uh, not just with special teams, but really with everything. And Hackstall's talked about this just with the way he likes to kind of shuffle the lines, try to get uh, different looks with the lines, try to try to shake things up a little bit there. It makes sense that you would bring that um, over to your power play setups as well. So um, I, I, I was I was totally OK seeing something like that. I just hope that we start seeing a little bit better results from them in the future. That being said, these last couple of games, PK has been a lot better. So, you know, it's, it's just, it seems like it's always this trade off <laughs> at some point, at some point in time, the Kraken are going to be able to figure everything out. Offense, defense, power plays, penalty kill, goaltending. You know, it's all going to line up and this team is going to be absolutely unstoppable. They could go on a Boston Bruin level tear through the <laughs> NHL. Uh, but uh, we're just not quite there yet. Just not quite there yep. yet. Yep. Um, all right. So that's, that's it for the recap of this week's games. Um, now during the post game, uh, for that Florida game last night, uh, it was brought to our attention that during the post game media availability out there in sunrise, Florida, out there in the swamp, while my, while Maddie Beneers was talking with the media, one Morgan geeky showed up and asked a question of Maddie Beneers of his own. And that was, yes. that was, do you want, you want to say it, RJ? Oh, we just asked what his thoughts are on the upcoming Mario Kart tournament. Yes, to which we all lost our collective minds. Um, <laughs> this is like, uh, I just, I love everything about this. I want to know uh, more information about this Mario Kart tournament. Uh, obviously, it's going to be amongst the amongst the players, it, it would appear. Um, and then today, Morgan Geeky, because obviously this was a big, big news story for the Seattle Kraken. Morgan Geeky took to Twitter to answer questions about said Mario yes. Kart tournament and RJ you have brilliantly uh uh have you know many of those 
questions and answers that were talked about today. You, you have them here. Uh, I haven't heard any of them yet, so this will all be new information to me, but I'm very much looking forward to it. So floor is, floor is yours. All right. So this is going to be fun. Um, yeah. So Morgan Geeky today tweeted, I think he sensed the interest from everybody and being a man of the people as he is. Uh, he said, if any, if, well, he said, if anyone, any Mario Kart questions ask away and someone did reply to that bestie, I think you missed a word. And he said, hockey player, not an English major. Sorry. Fair, <laughs> so great fair. response there yep. uh, for Morgan geeky, but boy, did people ask away and we got some golden nuggets of info about Mario Kart, uh, geeky's various opinions on it and its role in the Kraken locker room. So I'm excited to share all this with you, with everyone. And uh, everyone, thank you, by the way, for bearing with me. Uh, still getting my voice back, if you couldn't tell. Um, so I will, I will get through this as best as I can. Um, but we'll start with the number one question that I had, that you had, that I think a lot of us had. Uh, who does Morgan Geeky main? Who's his main character in yep. Mario Kart? And l listen to this. Morgan Geeky mains Gold Mario. So you unlock it after winning every 200cc Grand Prix. So that's one heck of a flex right there. Yeah. Uh, and he rides Mr. Scooty. So he's a motorcycle guy. Um, and this is a theme that we will see with Morgan Geeky. He's very good and he's very confident in his abilities. So um, someone asked him, have we, have we unlocked 200cc? He said, have we unlocked 200cc? I am the 200cc goat. So uh, we'll find a lot of confidence wow. in these future answers from Morgan Geeky. Absolutely loving the, the the level of confidence in his abilities, loving the flex plays, the gold Mario, loving all of this already. This is already like better than I could have hoped for, and I had I had high expectations. Yeah, I had to try really hard not to just make this entire episode of the podcast about Mario Kart. So we'll we'll see what I'm able to do here. But let's get to courses, all right? Mm -hmm. So favorite course. Sunshine Airport. Okay. I think it's a pretty good one. Yeah, Solid choice. Yeah, yeah. Least favorite course. Now get get a load of this answer. I have no least favorite because I am the best, but Baby Park would be my pick because Will Borgen likes that one. Puke emoji. Wow. Wow. Throw in shade and boosting yourself. That's I mean that's did, did, was is he like a boxer in his spare time? He went to like the Don King promotional school for himself or something. This is awesome. What? what? I, yeah. See, Morgan Geeky, he fixes the penalty kill. He makes the fourth line, you know, one of the best fourth lines in all of hockey. And he gives us this gold that no other NHL player could give us in the form of a gold Mario, of course. And of course, and his Pizza Hut gold card last season. Right. So just come on, Geek Squad forever. Yeah, Morgan Geeky appreciation moment here. Uh, and of course, he had to weigh in on the most famous track, Rainbow Road. Yeah. Uh, he said on Ra about Rainbow Road, I am the only one who can't fall off, so I always win. <laughs> I mean, that would definitely do it uh, for anybody who's experienced that, that legendary track in Mario Kart uh, history. Um, that is That is such good stuff. Oh, I'm just going to keep throwing these confidence yes. answers at you. All right. Going, Favorite going. power up the Sonic boom box thing. I get a lot of blue shells cause I'm always in first. So he, he likes that one. Cause it'll uh, take the blue shells away. That is, that is definitely a useful item, especially if you're going to be running first. Yep. So uh, that's his favorite power up. 
I thought this was an interesting question here. If you could use one item during a game, what would it be? Mm. And so I'm sure you might have thoughts on this. His response, blue shell auto goal. So I'm assuming you blue shell the goalie, right? Yeah, so I w- that's what I would say. Or or if it's a, a 1v1 situation, do that to the defender. Get him out of your way. Go pick apart that goalie yourself. I mean, he, he's perfectly capable of doing that uh, based on the rest of his answers to this. Yeah, so I, I think that one would be incredibly useful. Um, let's get to some team superlatives. So I was also really looking forward to this. Yeah. So, of course, he was asked, who's the best... Who's the best Mario Kart player on the team? It shouldn't be any surprise who we said. You want to, you want to take a guess who we think might be the best? Uh, well, I'm going to say it's probably not Will Borgen. Uh, going to yeah. say Morgan Geeky. Yeah, you know what? It's himself. Wow. But he did give a lot of credit. He said, uh, followed by Matty Beneers. So best yeah. on the team besides him, yep. Matty Beneers. And he said it's a big drop off between those two and everyone else. So what, what do you think of that dynamic? Uh, I believe that considering they're what I mean, they're two of the younger guys around with Shane Wright, not there. Uh, I believe Matty Beneers is the youngest player, you know, youngest player for the Seattle Kraken. So in that sense, it makes it makes sense to me. Um, and and we do know that that Matty Beneers and Will Borgen do like to, to play video games at home. So I'm not surprised that at least one of them would be good. Yeah. So um, and also, by the way, I should mention they are, uh, I believe, playing on the Switch. They play during uh, bus rides and, and mostly plane rides. So that's where these tournaments happen. They're playing the Mario Kart 8, I believe, is the one they're playing, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little foreign to me. I'm, I grew up on Double Dash, so that is that is my jam. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the game that they're playing. All right. I, I absolutely love this. Take me back to the 24-7 days with the Pittsburgh Penguins, RJ. Sidney Crosby, Marc-Andre Fleury on the plane. I'm trying to remember, what were they playing? They, would, they were playing on PSPs because this is how long ago oh. it was. Very long ago. Sidney Crosby playing <laughs> video games. Let me let me look it up. Was it was it uh, It was that old like Navy SEAL game. Remember the one that the, the franchise that was sponsored by the navy seals i forget what it was in that but i'm seeing other stuff here if he's been he's been playing PUBG on the planes now Sidney crosby on team flights uh so he's more into the battle royale scene now it appears uh but yes i always love when when video games can kind of uh join the world of hockey here yeah i'm sure it makes the team flight uh go by much faster and hey the teammates have gotten into it too it seems like a a lot of the teams in on it so um speaking of veneers uh he responded uh, to geeky just tagged geeky with a uh, a picture of a gif of toad so i'm assuming maddie's a toad main which i think is awesome by the way yes i think that matches maddie veneers like perfectly too like right like absolutely perfectly that makes all the sense in the world i absolutely love it give me like a, a sticker design or something of maddie veneers as toad i want that Oh my god, that would be great! <laughs> I know they've already uh, photoshopped him as Mario on some of the uh, the post game tweets. Uh, I think Toad needs to be next. Yep, for sure. Wow. All so, right. So I was yeah, gonna go say, is there is there any like news on the on this tournament when it's happening? What's going on with that? Uh, their next their next plane ride, and, and apparently okay. it happens like almost every plane ride. So they happen oh, quite okay. often. So uh, it's coming up soon. It will not be the last one. Um, okay. And then we'll we'll talk about some future potential tournaments as well. Um, so uh, I, I've, I've left everyone hanging for this long. We talked about who he thinks the best players are, uh, but he's also who's asked who was the worst. All right. Yep. And go. it's uh, Ryan Donato. Oh, 
Oh, poor Ryan Donato. Now, this is subjective, just in Morgan Geeky's opinion, right? So, Yes, this is just Geeky's opinion. So Donato might have something to say about that. Uh, if he hasn't responded by the time the Kraken come home, I think I'll ask him about that. Yeah. Uh, give him a chance to tell his side of the story. Um, but man, Donato's gotten some tough. He he was the the main recipient of the Daniel Sprung trash talk after the yeah. World Cup game. Uh, Donato's getting it from all angles here with his fourth line uh, line mates here. Um, so this one is is a fun one. Sorest loser. Care to uh, guess on that one? <laughs> well, uh, because I'm not there, it can't be me for once. But um, uh, that's a it's so it's someone you identify with. Let's just say that much. Oh my gosh, is it Adam Larson? Yes, it is. Yes, Source loser, go. Adam Larson. Let's go. I mean, you know, look, the bottom line is myself, Adam Larson, we're very good at lots and lots of things. So when we do get confronted with an L every once in a while, those rare occasions, it can be difficult to stomach for us. But I am also going to say, usually there are some sort of external circumstances under which you can protest that loss. And I'm assuming Adam Larson, he's a smart guy. He understands that as well. Oh, yes, clearly. I'm sure he's got his whole protest thing laid out, just was, like you do was, every time we play any video game. Yeah, there was turbulence, and my seat isn't screwed into the plane as much, so I felt it a little bit more violently, and that threw me off during this one drift slide into this turn, and I fell off the rainbow bridge. It's not that hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a very understandable and, and totally believable uh, reason in which somebody might find themselves losing a Mario Kart. You, you got it down. You are a natural. Oh, man. All right. So let's go next to most focused. So the question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how competitive do you all get? And who's the most focused on said competition? I have a guess so, of that. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, his answer on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, 11. They okay. get very competitive. All right. I believe uh, that. Who, do you, who do you think is the most focused? Well, this is interesting because now that we know that Adam Larson's involved, this makes me think that this is really like a lot of guys get involved in these tournaments. Seems like so, it. So I think just about everybody's on the table. And that's why I'm going Jared McCann. Because at first I wouldn't have thought that Jared McCann would be the guy. But but also Jared McCann is like the kind of guy that we've seen just stay after practice to like wrist shot like a thousand pucks. And I feel like he he would bring that level of intensity over to Mario Kart. No, I think that's a good guess. I could see that. We know Jared McCann is a gamer. I'm telling you, if anybody on the roster, nobody looks more disappointed after a loss than Jared McCann. I could tell you that. But that wasn't Geeky's answer. He said, Will Borgen wears his oh. heart on his sleeve. Oh, wow. I wonder if that's because, like, Maddie beats him up at home. Mmm. If you know what if there's some of that going on you know <laughs> get, get i could see that any any sort of practice games at home practice races you just get used to that if, if maddie's as good as everybody says i i could see that got, yeah you got, know what get, <laughs> get a little bit of that like you know younger sibling mentality going on yep <laughs> now speaking of speaking of focused and intense uh, this question, have you ever broken anything because of the blue shell that literally targets you? Uh, and uh, Geeky said, yes, the window shade next to me on the plane. Sorry, at Air Canada. He tagged Air Canada. Wow. Wow. He's got the gall to go out there and call Adam Larson a sore loser. Come on. If Adam yep. Larson had punched that, the entire window's popping out of the plane, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, that could be quite dangerous. <laughs> Depressurize the cabin and all that. Um, wow, that's that's big deal, like, rage stuff right there. 
Like, yeah, that would be a I hardcore mean, rage quit. Like, oh, sorry, I got to, like, you know, fix this plane for a second. Yep. No, definitely. Um, and and we'll, we'll say it's a theme. Morgan Geeky is against the blue shell. He was asked, actually, by Striatic, who we know, uh, pro or anti-blue shell? Anti-100%, absolutely criminal. They are even in the game. It just punishes success, Dylan. Yeah, how how dare there be something that that punish success? Um, that's yeah. I mean, if if you're somebody who's running out front, you would definitely have those feelings towards the blue shell. Um, I I understand its involvement for primarily for uh, younger racers out there. Uh, kind of yeah. keep keep races competitive. And look, as somebody who has taken that approach with the NHL with sports, they are all entertainment products. <laughs> The best thing for entertainment value is close finishes. That, that applies to even Mario Kart, and that's why I'm going to have to disagree with him there. I think the Blue Shell is an okay addition to the franchise. Mm, okay, you know I, I I think it's a fine addition as much as as much as uh, it does punish success. I think it does make the game pretty interesting. Um, so now let's talk about. I think we'll we'll finish off talking about future tournaments, future matchups. Yeah. Uh, the Seattle Sea Wolves rugby team mm-hmm. asked for a team v team match Let's potentially, go. and Geeky, of course, was game. He said, "Yes, I hope you know how good we are." Oh, so clearly, God. feeling confident in the team as a whole. Yeah, and that that might be the only time you'll see somebody like go to a rugby team and just be like, "Yeah, bring it on." <laughs> I feel like feel like that's generally not the smartest attitude to approach a rugby team with, but I guess if it's just going to be Mario Kart, you can maybe get away with it. You better that. be talking about a virtual activity, let's say that much. Yeah. Oh, man. And then finally, and this one was the, the most interesting, I think, of as far as potential future tournaments, uh, DJ Trunks, who uh, we, we know is a friend of mm-hmm. ECH, uh, how do I apply to hand you an L in Mario Kart? Yes. Good question there. Well phrased, Trunks. Uh, and Morgan Geeky said, I say Seattle Kraken staff and players Mario Kart tournament. Settle mm-hmm. it for good. We will play on the twins in CPA. Yes. How awesome would that be? That would be absolutely incredible. I do think that this needs to happen. I think that the, the match against rugby team needs to happen. Like all of this stuff needs to happen. Uh, there needs to be some sort of, of public tournament. Uh, for fans to be able to watch all that stuff and I'm just gonna throw this out there look you guys want to live stream that on youtube or something uh i might know some people that have experience running youtube live streams around the seattle kraken one of them even might have some significant esports experience in the past and is someone who has gone to many esports live events been around lots of all-time great esports commentators maybe maybe picked up a thing or two from all of them uh, just going to throw that one out there if, you know, anybody from the Seattle Kraken has the power to make something like that happen. Yeah, I mean, throw that out there. I know you do have a lot of experience in the esports world as <laughs> yes. well. Um, and I just hope whatever, you know, however, if it would happen, let us in, let us cover it. Uh, yes. We would have so many great moments, so much good content that could be made from that. I mean, this is the kind of thing. This is how you innovate uh, from a team yep. content perspective. This is exactly what the modern sports fan wants mm-hmm. uh, and, and that just drives engagement and drives connection to a team. Yep. Uh, so I was I was so happy to see uh, Morgan Geeky, you know, come out and, and, and talk about uh, all this great stuff with Mario Kart. Uh, and answer so many questions, interact with so many fans and so many people. Um, 
And I, I think, you know, he probably had a good time with that as well. At the end, he tweeted, uh, this was actually unreal. Thank you for all the questions. My main is Gold Mario, Mr. Scooty, Azure Roller Reels, blah, blah, blah. And my all-time course is Sunshine Airport. So he enjoyed it. Um, yes. And yeah, he had a great time. Good. And I'm, I hope everybody else did as well. And uh, yeah, you know, if you're doing this, if you're, if you're really going to do this, this will, I'll finish off the segment with this. Yeah. This is the ultimate scenario. What you do is Maddie goes to the All-Star game. You host one of those public tournaments while Maddie's off at the All-Star game. Morgan Geeky gets the W. But is it a legitimate win because Maddie Beneers wasn't there to really challenge him? And then it sets up the, the bigger tournament later at the end of the season. That's that. That's that's my promoter brain working right there. Uh, just throw there that one go. out there for the Seattle Kraken as well. Um, all right, so I can't I can't think of a better way to to leave off this episode of the deep dive than with all of that awesome information. Thank you for for uh, going through those tweets, RJ, summarizing it all for us, giving us all the answers to all the questions we didn't know 24 hours ago that we had, uh, but we definitely knew now. Um, really, really appreciate it. Thanks once again to Queen Anne Beer Hall. Uh, once One more reminder that those events in January is going to be January 14th for that game against Chicago at 5 p.m. It's going to be a watch party and followed by a post-game live at Queen Anne Beer Hall. And then January 16th, that Monday against Tampa, where we will be there to host a post-game live uh, whenever that game ends. starts at 1 o'clock. So I uh, just want to thank them one more time. Promote those live events because I'm super excited for it. I know you are as well. But with that, going to have to say, see you all next time. Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to take a moment to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over on patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep Tier patrons, Alex, Brian, Coop, Daryl, Duthin, Eli, Gary, Jared, Jay, Joey, Joni, Joshua, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Maya, Paige, Paul, Rebecca, Scott, Sean, Sergeant Pickles, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Tyler, and Wendy. Thank you so much for making all of this possible. We really appreciate your support.